Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. Wednesday around noon. I guess it's pretty safe to say that that's midweek. I'm heading up to Steelers training camp here pretty much when I'm done recording. Looking forward to it. It's always a good time to see everybody out there live. I'm Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. And we've been going now for about a week and a half, and things are going pretty well, I think. Again, I will be getting some guests and production and all those fancy things uh, coming up here in the very near future. Uh, we'll be talking to a couple people at camp to kind of help me get that going. Um, if you are a sound expert, maybe you should drop me a note on, <laughs> on uh, Twitter to coach me up on how to better do those things on a Mac at Williamson NFL. But there's not a ton to talk about today. This might be a little quicker show, but there are a few things uh, in the front four um, before we get to that, I just want to mention, if you listened to yesterday's show and you haven't heard already, it broke while I was on the air that Julian Edelman was going off on a cart. He's apparently fine. So the, the Patriots and Edelman dodge a bullet. That's big. Um, one note, and, and I kind of want to expand on this one a little bit too, is the Redskins running back situation. Honestly... Uh, I've been praising this organization up and down for how they've handled Cousins, for how they've assembled a roster around him. Uh, But it amazes me that they have not done more at the running back position, especially when you consider, you know, how inconsistent and untrustworthy Matt Jones was last year. There is some ability there. He's a big back. He can catch the ball. Uh, But, man, he was all over the place, you know, ball security issues. And it's come out now that, I think the headline read something along the lines of just don't pencil Matt Jones in as the clear starter quite yet. And that makes sense, except that the rest of the death chart isn't very imposing. You know, I mean, for a team that to me, and it didn't play out this way in the second half of the season because they couldn't run the ball, but considering who their quarterback is, they need to be a run-first team with a big, powerful offensive line, a great offensive line coach. Um, I think that's the identity of this team and what they need to do. But they haven't really approached it that way with the the exception of, of how they've handled line. They've handled their line like they're going to be a big power running team. But they haven't brought in the running backs. And especially with Jones is really the only option, that's a little frightening. But that brings us to Keith Marshall. And this guy's intriguing. He came to Georgia as, from what I understand, the most highly recruited running back in all of high school. You know, him and Gurley got there together, and it was Marshall that was considered the recruiting prize. You know, Gurley was just another guy that's there that, you know, wasn't nearly as sought after as Marshall. This guy, he's like 220, 225 with unbelievable speed. You know, not like pretty good speed for a big guy. He's one of the fastest guys in the field, no matter who's out there. I mean, he is unbelievably fast, and he is getting 
rave reviews in training camp. Although, let's dial this back a little bit. You know, training camp to this point has not been tackling. You're not playing against an opponent that's trying to take your head off. So running back should look good. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, the preseason to me is much more telling than a couple training camp reports on a rookie, you know, who's fast. So, yeah, if you're fast and nobody's tackling you, you should look good in practice. You know, that that's without a doubt. But he's intriguing, and the door is... You know, there's not much of a barrier in front of him to become a major component of the Redskins running game. So let's keep an eye on him. He's one of the players that I'm most excited to watch in these next couple of weeks in the preseason. I wonder if Washington's going to be one of those teams that is snooping around for, you know, when a a running back gets cut, you know, do they, they go grab a, a somebody who, you know, it doesn't make another team at the end of the process. I think that's possible. Um, but if Marshall's really what they're saying, that's very intriguing. And I also think we have to mention Chris Thompson here, too. He's sort of the Darren Sproles. They line him up all over the formation. Excellent receiver, smaller, quicker guy. Uh, he's had some injury concerns, too, and he's not really built to take a pounding. But he's a good football player, too, as a role player. And I think he's somebody that they could use in a wide variety of ways. So keep an eye on on this running back situation in Washington because despite what they did in the second half of the season, I do think their recipe to protect their quarterback, to play the smartest football they can, and Coach Gruden knows what he's doing, obviously, is to be a run-first team and to make Cousins and the passing game, despite their great weapons, complementary pieces. Other news to discuss from Baltimore camp. There's a couple things going on here. And Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh said that Brashad Perryman, last year's first-round pick, who's coming for off a knee injury, another injury, and Steve Smith, who's coming off an Achilles injury, are both expected to be ready by week one. And these are the kind of headlines I don't really going to read to you guys often because who really knows, you know, and he really doesn't have anything to lose by saying this as the head coach. Smith, to me, though, I mean, from all I understand is not only did he have an Achilles injury, but it was a bad one. And that's a terrible injury to begin with, let alone for a wide receiver, let alone for a player his age. I know he wants to come back and, and, you know, get the milestone for catches that he's talking about. And I think he's going to be on a, a potential Hall of Famer. I don't know if he goes quite quite makes it or not. And I love his game, and I would never doubt him. But, man, uh, this one, uh, I'm not sure I'm buying. I'm just not sure that he's going to be part of the, the plans this year. They have a deep group of receivers it wouldn't shock me if he comes back and doesn't look the same and struggles to get open. And not that that'd be a sad way to go out. You know, he's had a great career and everybody's, you know, career comes to an end at some point. But man, I, this is good news, but I'm not taking it that way. I just don't believe it. Um, as for Perryman, I'm a huge Perryman fan. I mean, this guy is, we haven't got a chance to see him. And for you that aren't familiar, you probably didn't see him much at the college level. He went to a somewhat smaller school. He is a great talent, big, strong, fast, you know, explosive. I'm really rooting for him. I think he could be the best weapon on that entire offense if by chance he really is healthy. 
I still have my doubts, though. Don't get me wrong. I mean, nothing has really gone well for this young man since the day that the Ravens drafted him, you know, from injuries and, you know, his best friend on the team was killed. And, and there's just a lot of bad news from him since he joined the team. So what are the Ravens' situations like right now at wide receiver? I think it's real easy to say, boy, Kamar Aiken's just a guy. I don't think he is. I think Kamar Aiken proved to be a quality football player last year. And, you know, I mentioned that I, I helped recruit Joe Flacco to Pitt, and I've, I've watched him ever since he's come in the league, you know, a little more intently than the average player. And Joe's all, when Joe's at his best, he's always had what I call his whoopee. You know, that's a Mr. Mom reference. He's always had Derek Mason, Anquan Bolden, always had the chain-moving guy that he could trust on third and six, and the ball always goes that direction. I very much think that is Aiken, and that would be an outstanding relationship for Flacco and Aiken, and I think we saw some of it last year, and I think that will expand. He very well could be the Ravens' reception leader this year, and not probably not a ton of big plays, but a quality chain-moving guy. The opposite of that, though, is Mike Wallace, and this offense, since Flacco came to the league, has always had a deep threat, a burner on the outside. Usually it's been Torrey Smith. And Flacco's a great deep ball passer. Not only does he have a big arm, but he is an accurate deep ball passer. And for some reason, I think the Ravens, more than any team in the league, have been great at drawing long pass interference uh, penalties as well. It seems like just a, a part of their uh, of their offensive makeup. They're great at it. And, you know, with some black and gold blood in me, it's driven me a little crazy over the years. But, hey, you know, it works, and they get behind the defense. And Mike Wallace, I still think, can do that. I couldn't think of two worse fits for him with Tannehill, who was very raw at the time in Miami and was not a good deep ball passer, and Bridgewater, who doesn't have the arm strength, doesn't drive the ball down the field. So it's easy to blame Wallace and say, boy, he's no good, and maybe he took it easy after signing huge deals. Maybe all those things are true. I mean, I'm not, you know, cutting out blame on Mike Wallace, but he went to two awful situations for what he does, and we all know what he does. He runs really fast outside the numbers, and I still think he can do that. So I'm really intrigued to see the Ravens wide receiver situation, and I'm also really intrigued to see actually all all their skill positions, all their skill positions on paper. You go to ourlads.com, and I pull up their depth chart, and I'm looking at it now. They have a lot of players at running back, tight end, wide receiver with no distinct, you know, pecking order yet. So the, the preseason is going to be really interesting for these guys. But I just wanted to mention, first of all, I don't, I don't trust Justin Forsett to carry the load or be the guy. Uh, by midseason, it wouldn't shock me if he's a second stringer or not on his way out, but, you know, has seen his better days behind him. Big fan of Kenneth Dixon, very good receiver, elusive. Not special, but he has a lot of intriguing qualities, and I think he could be a very good player. Um, and he's been my early choice to lead the team in rushing. And I thought he'd take over by you know week five or six and really be the guy. Javorius Allen's also a decent player, a big back that can catch the ball. But the talk, the talk in camp is Terrence West, and <laughs> this one blows me away. You know they cut Trent Richardson. Everyone's talking about how Terrence West is clearly the best-looking guy amongst the running backs. And, again, kind of like we talked about with the Redskin running back situation, 
let's see it against an opponent, you know. But he was never considered the most explosive guy. He's not super fast. Uh, you know, he washed out with the Browns and has bounced around the league a little bit. There's been questions about how hard he worked since he came in the league. And I think he's from the Baltimore area. And maybe he's gotten to that point in his career where he realizes it's now or never. You know, that he easily could be out of the league if he doesn't put up. But I don't think he's immensely talented. But I'm wondering what's going on with this guy. You know, I mean, everyone that's seen them in camp raves about Terrence West. So as preseason's rolling around, it's right around the corner. And I'm so excited to see the preseason, by the way. I mean, I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm always talking about these last couple of days. I'm talking about things like, you know, things we read about camp. I'm excited to see things in person or not in person, but live on TV, you know, something happening new and then have my opinion on it as opposed to, boy, this guy looks good in camp and we'll see. As a, I, I want to see Terrence West on the field. I want to see all these running backs on the field. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, you know, let's root for him. But, man, the, the Ravens might have a lot of running backs at their disposal. Next on the front four, Lane Johnson has been suspended by the league for a second time. This is a 10-game suspension. He's going to appeal it, and he has said that it was some sort of amino acid that he took, and it's not a performing-enhancing situation. All right, Lane, I mean, maybe you're right, maybe you're right, but it's your second offense, and being with an NFL team, I know this is a fact, that they are told that do not put anything in your body without asking. I mean, don't go to, if you have the sniffles, don't go to Rite Aid, don't go to the drugstore and the pharmacy and just pick up Robitussin and take it. You know why? Because we have a guy on staff that you can call 24 hours a day and ask him if this is approved by the league. There's no excuse for, you know, and I understand why players do it. If players get busted with doing something illegal and they try to get out of it, of course I understand that. I know what they're doing. But there's no excuse for ever accidentally putting something in your body and saying, I didn't know. You know, it doesn't work that way. I mean, teams tell you, over and over, and it's very well known that you don't just take whatever this amino acid or some sort of dietary supplement or workout supplement or cough syrup or anything without asking. You know, it's just, it, it's that simple. It's that simple of a rule. You have a, 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 a laminated card in your pocket that just call this number if you're not sure, and somebody will answer and tell you the question, tell you the answer. So let's assume he's suspended for 10 games. I mean, I, I don't know how that gets changed but maybe he's got a point who knows but this is massive you know this offense in general is worrisome they're pretty devoid of weapons I thought they did a nice job this offseason of really replenishing the guard position Chip Kelly utterly ignored it which was very strange considering how much stress he puts on guards in his running game but he utterly ignored the guard position for three years and the Eagles went out and, and really you know, reinforced that spot. They have Peters, Kelsey, and Johnson as the left tackle center and right tackle, respectively. They just gave Johnson big money right before free agency to lock him up for the long term. They're very high on him, rightfully so. I can make the argument that I would take him over every right tackle in the league. 
especially when you consider what his upside might be. Uh, remember him at the Combine? He was an unbelievable athlete. I mean, he's a leaner guy, and you would think he'd obviously test well than a 330-pound type of player. But he can run. He can jump. He's been good on the field. You know, maybe he's going to be Peter's replacement at left tackle. This is a huge blow to the Eagles. It's a huge blow to his career. And it's unfortunate, you know, and maybe because he's lean, I'm, I'm totally speculating here, but maybe because he is a leaner guy that he's had to use these supplements to bulk up and to stay strong enough. And, you know, people don't think of that, that aspect of it sometimes. Usually you think about, boy, these big fat guys trying to lose weight. And that's often the case. But sometimes there's dudes out there that have a hard time keeping 310 on their frame or, you know, that they're, that they're naturally leaner. They're less, naturally ath- less athletic. You know, when they leave the game and they get down to like two and a quarter and a heartbeat, maybe Johnson's one of those type of guys, you know, that he, he can't keep the muscle, the, the, the bulk in general on his frame. And with his body type, I could understand that. But no matter what, I mean, if he broke the rules, this is going to hurt the Eagles a lot. Lastly on the front four, Rob Ninkovich with an injury. Like I said, this time of year is usually bad news. You know, he tore his tricep muscle on Tuesday. But the good news is he's only out four to six weeks, which is unbelievable to me. I mean, a torn tricep, again, I will never comment on injuries. I am not a doctor. But, wow, I mean, I thought that would be the majority of the year, a 10-week injury. So, uh, by all, but what they're reporting is he's out a month to six weeks. They, they dodge a bullet here. I mean, that means he could conceivably be there for week one probably back by week three, that's a big deal. You know, I mean, he's a a major player in their defense. Chandler Jones is gone. Their edge pass rushers are a little lighter than they were. They have Chris Long, but how much do you count on him? Um, I do like the Long pickup as a uh, spot starter, and maybe he's going to play more now that Ninkovich is out. But Ninkovich is just a Belichick guy, you know. I mean, he's one of those... Tough dudes that's highly versatile that you could drop into coverage. You can align him at different formations and different techniques. And that's exactly what Belichick wants from his defense. You know, he wants to be able to put smart, versatile football players on the field that he can change week to week what he's doing. You know, that we're going to attack this defense in week one this way and use the same players in week two to do something totally different or to change in the middle of the game. So Ninkovich is a perfect Belichick type of guy. Uh, I guess they dodge a bullet here. So we'll see. But, man, it seems like four weeks for a torn tricep is awful short. Um, A couple Twitter questions before we go. I'm going to wrap this thing up pretty soon. Bradley Johnson asks, how bad can Rob Ryan make this Buffalo defense? And then Daniel Luter writes, why does Rob Ryan keep getting defensive coordinator jobs? Then we find out today Reggie Ragland is out for the entire year, and it sounds like the first-round pick, Ragland was a second-rounder, Lawson should be back by the middle of the season. So I guess that's good news from his shoulder. But, man, is he going to be in football shape? He hasn't practiced with the team. He's a rookie. I mean, anytime you have a rookie or a guy coming back midseason, that's awfully difficult to incorporate him in the offense or in the defense or in any you know, either side of the ball, obviously. Um, but maybe he can be a designated pass rusher. They were one of the worst pass rushing teams in the league last year. They drafted these two for a big reason. The front seven was really poor. But back to Ryan, if his last name was Williamson, I don't think he'd be a defensive coordinator. I mean, his track record everywhere he's gone is terrible. And 
him leaving New Orleans is actually one of the reasons that I I'm picking. I had him pretty high on my power ranks, and I'm picking them to be better on defense because Ryan's gone. There was so much confusion, blown coverages, couldn't get the plays in on time. You know, a, a lot of basic things uh, with that Saints defense last year. Not that their players were great, but you know, they didn't do him any favors either. I mean, I think if they can just simplify things in New Orleans, I know that you guys are asking about Buffalo, they could be the 25th best defense or 22nd best defense and not a historically bad defense. And I don't know why Ryan keeps getting jobs. I know why he got one in Buffalo, because his brother's the head coach. Um, but, man, I feel like I'm Bills bashing lately, but everything I'm getting out of Buffalo lately it's just negative, negative vibes. And, you know, I'm not sure if we talked about Cordy Glenn. He's injured now, too. He's their best lineman, franchise player. Everything in Buffalo is really worrisome right now. And that's not an easy division. Man, I, I could see this being a very bad year for the Bills. And obviously, we have a lot of time to think about it. But if these trends keep up, if this front seven is as devoid of talent outside of Darius and, uh, you know, a few others. But, man, they're, they're light in the front seven. I like Jerry Hughes a lot, too. But, you know, th- these rookies aren't going to help. Raglan was supposed to be the quarterback of the defense. He's not going to be there for the whole year. Again, more bad news out of the Buffalo Bills. Um, another question. Ziggy. Yes, Ziggy will. At yes, Ziggy will. Randall Cobb has been working on the backfields on third down. What are the implications of this for the Green Bay offense? I like it. I, I like it because he is a guy that you can hand the ball to in as a typical running back run, you know, um, not just a gimmick, not just a reverse or an end around or something like that. I think you can hand the ball to Randall Cobb three to five times a game, you know, and I'm not saying you're running power with him or have him, you know, fullback lead. But if you're on third downs, Lacey's not a very good Lacey's not a good receiver. Starks is decent in that regard, but they don't have a true third down back type of player that if you put Cobb on the field as the only quote running back, and they do have some other wide receivers. I mean, that might get Ty Montgomery or Janice or Abaderis, and all those guys have a lot to prove, but that would get one of those guys on the field. Or both tight ends. You know, you have Rodgers and Cook, two two receivers, and Cobb. It, it, it makes the, the defense have to figure out what to call him. You know, if if they call Randall Cobb a running back, and they therefore use a little bit heavier defensive personnel, then you can always just motion them to the slot and go empty against heavier groupings, heavier defensive groupings. If they call him a wide receiver, you know, especially with two tight ends in the game, you can line them up in the backfield against a lighter uh, a lighter defense and, and have some designed runs for the guy. Again, I don't want him you know, carrying six, eight, ten times a game or even maybe being the every down, third down back. You know, I think that's more Starks' role. But to do it with that personnel grouping, without somebody on the, the roster who's listed as a running back and you use Cobb as that, like, Dexter McCluster type who's, you know, half wide receiver, half running back for those snaps. I like it. You know, I think that's an, it would be an innovative way uh, to create confusion with the defense and get some mismatches. Another question here. Jerry Linder asked me, who are the Rams leaders on defense now? Loss of Long, who we mentioned before, 
and Laurinaitis bigger than suggested on paper? Maybe. Those guys haven't played well, though. They look old. They've been beaten up. Laurinaitis and Long were more liabilities on the field than they were assets. And that's not to say that Long won't rejuvenate his career in New England. I mean, it's a perfect Belichick-type pickup and gradually ease him into things. He may do well there. Laurinaitis might be the leader to get everybody lined up in New Orleans, like we just talked about, that they've lacked. And they're pretty light at the linebacker position. So I'm not saying these guys' career's over, but when you look at that great Rams defense from a year ago, the reasons for their greatness was not Long and Laurinaitis. What worries me most about the Rams in terms of offseason is the secondary. I mean, McLeod, who's now in Philadelphia, is an excellent, true, middle-of-the-field, deep defender that erased, you know, mistakes. And, you know, if, if, if Jenkins would get burned on the outside or Johnson or somebody like that, the free safety had a lot of range, allowed them to blitz a lot in a, you know, a very aggressive uh, defensive scheme. So that's a big loss to me. I think Jenkins is also a big loss. I think he's a little overrated. You know, he ends up on SportsCenter and NFL Network for some big plays, but he also allows a lot of big plays. More of a man coverage corner. I see what the Giants see in him. There is ability there, but there's inconsistencies. But my biggest worry about the secondary, you know, is you're losing two quality players, and one's very underrated and an excellent safety that people should know. But they didn't really replace him with anybody. You know, the, the secondary definitely is taking a step back to me. Who are the leaders on this team? I don't know that for sure. Did watch Hard Knocks last night, though, by the way. It was a good show. I mean, it's always entertaining. Um, I think that, you know, something, something like asking about leadership um, could kind of reflect itself in, in, on, on a Hard Knocks type of show. We'll see who some of the, the big dogs are in the room. Clearly, Aaron Donald is the straw that stirs the drink. You know, I mean, Pittsburgh guy went to Pitt, and but man, he is a—he's the second best defensive player in the league. You know, JJ Watt's a total anomaly, and maybe the best player, defensive player that's ever lived. But Donald isn't much behind him. I mean, Donald to me is an unblockable force and a utter, utter superstar. One of probably the best five players in all of football right now and seems to be getting better, you know, unbelievably explosive, powerful. I think that he has some leadership traits from what I understand, you know, and, you know, obviously he shows on the field that he has leadership traits. They also have guys, though, like William Hayes, you know, Akeem Ayers, Mark Barron, that have been around the league and should, you know, be, you know, have some leadership for sure. Um Robert Quinn's also a very underrated player. I don't know what kind of leader any of those guys are. But Ogletree is going to be the one that takes over for Laurinaitis. You know, where's the headset? Is the commander, the defense? And way more talented. You know, uh, we'll see how he handles the, you know, quarterbacking part, the aligning everybody and getting everyone in the right location. Um, in, in Greg Williams' blitz-happy, sort of somewhat confusing defense. But Ogletree is a very good player. And if you look at their linebackers, Barron, Ogletree, Ayers, they're all very different. You know, Barron, Ogletree is going to be the every-down guy. Barron was a former first-round pick safety turned linebacker. Ayers is closer to like a 3-4 outside linebacker type. So all three of these guys are quality starters. I don't think Laura Nitus will be missed. 
you know, when, when Quinn and Hayes are your defensive ends, I don't think Long will be missed. But if you really look at this defense, they didn't do much to reinforce their losses. I mean, they, they lost four, quote, starting players. Two of them are better than the other, the two that were asked about here. But they didn't do much at all to reinforce their defense. And part of that's because they traded up for, for Jared Goff, um, you know, and that's not cheap. And they also, you know, drafted some receivers for him. You know, Farrow Cooper, Mike Thomas, Tyler Higby. He's another guy that I'm very excited to see. He's drawing rave reviews. Highly athletic tight end, fourth-round pick that only was a fourth-round pick because of off-the-field concerns. Higby could be a very pleasant surprise for the Rams this year. He's a guy to look at. But I don't know the answer of who's the leader, but I do think this, this defense in general takes a slight step back despite the greatness of Donald, Quinn, uh, and some quality players at linebacker and Trumaine Johnson. So, guys, that's going to do it. I have to uh, get on the road here to Latrobe, go see practice, and do some uh, radio hits while I'm there. I will do a podcast again from the hotel tomorrow. Take care. Drop me a note on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. And I want to hear how, how you guys like the Locked on NFL podcast thus far. I think it's going quite well. Thanks so much. Take care.